Hello there, everyone. Thanks for being here for Lesson 161. Give me your blessing, Holy Son of God. This is going to be directed toward someone. So let me tell you in the beginning why this is so. Let's say, as in the end in our exercise, you choose someone to use as your example. If that person that you think has treated you unfairly in some way has blessing to give you, it means that his or her behavior and words have not ruined him or her. And if that person is still holy and amazing and connected and divine, despite the behavior, so are we. That's the point of this. This is helping us experience that just because we have made many errors through our sense of guilt and unworthiness, nothing has happened to the truth of us. All right, so let's just jump right in. Today we practice differently and take a stand against our anger that our fears may disappear and offer room to love. Here is salvation in the simple words in which we practice with today's idea. Here is the answer to temptation, that's all pull to make things real in the hallucination, which can never fail to welcome in the Christ, the love, where fear and anger had prevailed before. Here is atonement, that's realizing I never left home, made complete. The world passed safely by and heaven or the joined state now restored. It's not that it ever got broken. It's being restored to our awareness. That's where the restoration is taking place. So here is the answer of the voice for God. Now, complete abstraction is the natural condition of the mind. Abstraction means it's not related to specific things, but part of it is now unnatural. In other words, part of the mind is not now natural. It doesn't look on everything as one. It sees instead but fragments of the whole, for that's the only way that we could invent this partial world that we see. And the purpose of all seeing is to show you what you want to see. All hearing but brings to your mind the sounds you want to hear. In other words, in our separated state, we think that's what we want. We want to see specialness. We want to see different forms, hopefully interacting in such a way as that we can be happy and safe. Thus were specifics made, and now it's specifics we're going to have to use in practicing. The specifics will now become the raw material for our progress. So we're going to give the specifics to the Holy Spirit. Now, please note that when it says give it to the Holy Spirit, it means accepting something fully because the Holy Spirit resides within you as you. So giving something to the Holy Spirit means to accept it as this is what's here without judgment, without fighting against it. And if we do that, he may employ them for a purpose that's different from the one we gave. He's now going to be able to use what we made to teach us from a different point of view so that we can see a different use for everything. Instead of these specifics trying to be put together so that 
it's all about me and I get my way. Now these specifics can be used to help us learn, to help us undo, to help us give, to help us join. One brother is all brothers. Every mind contains all minds because every mind is really only one. Such is the truth. And then it asks, do these thoughts make clear the meaning of creation? No. Do these words bring perfect clarity with them to you? What can they seem to be but empty sounds? Pretty, perhaps, correct in sentiment, yet fundamentally not understood nor understandable. And the reason is, the mind that taught itself to think specifically about separate, discrete things, specifically, we are specific, separate things, can no longer grasp abstraction in the sense that it's all-encompassing. We need to see a little so we can learn a lot. Now it goes on. It seems to be the body that we think limits our freedom, makes us suffer, and at last puts out our life. Yet, bodies are only symbols for a concrete form of fear. Now remember, fear is lack of love. And the text tells us that everything we see as our world is our fear and guilt dumped out there so we can see it. Then it goes on to say, fear without symbols, without bodies, calls for no response. Look at this. Imagine that you were feeling afraid or anxious but that was abstract. In other words, there were no bodies, no things, no anything. How would you respond? There's nothing to respond to, so to speak, if all this were an experience internally that was not related to any kind of form. And the reason for that is, is symbols, in this case primarily we're talking about bodies, can stand for the meaningless. In other words, they can be a symbol that represents nothing. Like the number five represents five items, and so it's a symbol. But you can have symbols that don't stand for anything <laughs> because we've hallucinated some weird stuff. On the other hand, Love, the experience of love doesn't need any symbols. We don't need a symbol to feel joy, to feel safe, to feel deep, deep peace. You see, love doesn't require these specifics, but fear attaches to them because they're false. So then it follows what makes sense. Bodies attack. In other words, we see actions and words as what attacks us and other people, but we don't really think of their mind as attacking us. So this thought is reminiscent of the text where it's often emphasized. This is the reason that bodies easily become fear's symbols or representatives. Many times you've been urged to look beyond the body because its sight presents the symbol of love's enemy that Christ's vision doesn't see. Well, love's enemy, so to speak, would be fear, and innocent vision can't see anything but love. So, of course, it can't see it. The body is the target for the attack since no one thinks he hates a mind. Yet what but mind directs the body to attack. Remember, the body is like a telephone. It's a communication device. It doesn't make up the messages. It simply conveys them. 
So what else could be the seed of fear except what thinks of fear? So the body doesn't create it, it doesn't think it, but it works out and expresses the thoughts that the mind has, okay? Hate is specific. There's got to be a thing attacked. You can't just attack thin air. <laughs> An enemy has to be perceived in such a form he can be touched and seen and heard and judged against and ultimately killed ultimately exterminate it, if not literally, physically, somehow in your own awareness. So when hatred rests upon a thing, you might say, well, I don't really hate people. I just don't like them. It's like it says it doesn't matter what degree hatred is hatred, whether you use nicer sounding words or not. So when it rests upon a thing, it calls for death as surely as God's voice or the Holy Spirit proclaims, by the way, everybody, there is no death. Fear is insatiable, consuming everything its eyes behold, seeing itself in everything, compelled to turn upon itself and to destroy. Remember the mirror thing. Everything we see out there is something that's going on within us. So everything the eyes behold is something that we fear inside ourselves. So who sees a brother as a body sees fear's symbol, and he's going to attack because what he beholds is his own fear external to himself. Remember, over and over and over again, everything out here is a mirror for us to behold. So it's poised to attack and howling to unite with him again. Mistake not the intensity of rage that projected fear must spawn. In other words, must create. It shrieks in wrath and claws the air in frantic hope. It can reach to its maker and devour him. Guilt, self-loathing is a constant self-attack, which we are constantly seeing in others, and we just know that these others are trying to come back and get us. It's just our own fear that we presume is trying to get us. So this is what the body's eyes behold in one whom heaven cherishes, the angel's love, and God created perfect. This is his reality. And in Christ's vision, where you see only the innocent, is his loveliness reflected in a form. You see, we're still within the world of form. But the form is so holy and so beautiful that you can hardly refrain from kneeling at his feet or her feet. Yet, you're going to take the hand instead, for you are just like him in the sight that sees him thus. In other words, however you see him, is how you're seeing you because it's happening in your mind. Attack on him is enemy to you, for you will not perceive that in his hands is your salvation. In other words, attacking him hurts you. You're the one who loses when he's attacked. So ask him for this, and he's going to give it to you. Don't ask him to symbolize your fear. Would you request that love destroy itself, or would you have it revealed to you so you can be set free? So today we're going to practice in a form we've attempted earlier. As you can see, this is very repetitious over and over and over to try to get our attention, change our minds. 
Your readiness is closer now, and you will come today nearer Christ's vision, really wanting and able to see the innocence in everything. If you're intent on reaching it, you'll succeed. And once you've succeeded, you will not again be willing to accept the witnesses your body's eyes call forth, fear and attack and ugliness and separation and hatred. What you will see will sing to you of ancient melodies you will remember. You are not forgotten in heaven. You are not forgotten and left out of the joined state. So now it says, would you please choose to remember that? So select one brother, symbol of the rest, and ask salvation of him. See him first as clearly as you can in that same form to which you're accustomed. See the face, the hands, the feet, the clothing. Watch the smile. See the familiar gestures that a person makes so frequently. Then think like this. What you are seeing now conceals from you the sight of one who can forgive you all your sins, whose sacred hands can take away the nails that pierce your own and lift the crown of thorns which you have placed upon your own bleeding head. Ask this of him so that he can set you free. Give me your blessing, Holy Son of God. I would behold you with the eyes of Christ. I would behold you with the eyes of innocence and see my perfect innocence in you mirror, mirror on the wall. So now I'm going to reiterate what I said at the beginning. When we ask a person for blessing, the unspoken statement is, he's got blessing to give. And if he has blessing to give, despite what our eyes see and our ears hear, so do you. So if he still is blessed and can offer that, despite what you think is the matter with him or her, that same situation applies to you, thank goodness. And he will answer whom you called upon, for he will hear the voice for God in you. Love will hear that voice, that Holy Spirit in you, and answer. So behold him now, whom before you have seen only as flesh and bone, and recognize that Christ has come to you, not only flesh and bone, but doing a bunch of stuff you don't like. So today's idea is your safe escape from anger and from fear. It's the safe escape instead of what we've done before, which is to try to project it out and pretend like we don't have it anymore, which only made it worse in us. So this is your safe escape, not your phony escape. So be sure you use it instantly in case you're tempted to attack someone and perceive in that person the symbol of your fear. In other words, making them a symbol of being unfairly dealt with. And if you do, you will see him suddenly transformed from enemy to savior, from the devil into Christ. Big important lesson, as are they all. Hope you enjoyed this. I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye.